Hi and welcome back to Perfect Imbalance. New rules for achieving success, happiness and greater fulfilment in our lives. I'm your host Jeff Way and I'm thrilled to be back for series two. And have I got a lineup for you? Yes, we've got some brilliant inspirational guests for series two lined up. And I'm thrilled to be introducing and sharing today Gavin Oates, primary teacher to stand-up comedian to inspirational speaker and author of a fantastic book called Shine. On this episode, Gavin gives us insight into some storytelling, how to have impact, how to go about doing what you love and enjoy, He also talks about being confidently lost, being abnormal, and we finish by talking about Fire Up Scotland. Thank you very, very, very much indeed for agreeing to come on the podcast. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you and I'm intrigued to understand a little bit more about what you've been up to. Thank you very much for having me. I have heard great things about you and this podcast, so it is an absolute pleasure to, to be a part of it. So yeah, thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome, and that's very kind of you to say so. Um, From a a listener perspective, uh, for those people that may or may not know a great deal about you, Gavin, um, describe what it is you do and why people want to work with you. Okay, so what I do, very brief background, if you like. So I used to be a primary school teacher, uh, hugely passionate about working I, within learning, uh, I always wanted to be a primary school teacher, but I also had a passion for stand-up comedy, uh, particularly um, really fun, off-the-wall kind of humour. And, you know, as a primary school teacher, I, I became fascinated with storytelling. I became fascinated with this this concept and idea of, of a group of young people walking into the room at nine o'clock in the morning and from nine o'clock to half past three, you had to be able to engage with them. You had to entertain them, enlighten them, educate them and take them on this wonderful journey from start to finish. And of course, you can't you can't bullshit children. They see through you. You can't you can't make stuff up. You got to it's got to be real. And as my teaching career went on, I got more and more into the comedy side of things uh, and started doing gigs around the UK um, started doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and over a matter of time, I discovered that there are people out there making a, a living, having fun in a successful career, delivering workshops, keynote speeches, um, learning seminars that can be both entertaining and educational uh, at the same time. So what I do now, uh, I run a business called Tree of Knowledge, Tree of Knowledge are what we would describe as a motivational and engagement training organisation. We travel all over the world. We work with schools, we work with colleges, we work with unis, and we work with some of the biggest companies in the world. We also work with lots of little companies. And our goal is to inspire the world. Um, So I hope that answers the first part of your question. The second part of the question, why do people want to work with me? That's a really hard one to answer. Um, Why do people want to work with me? I... I really care a lot about making a difference. I care hugely about people. I care greatly about the legacy that we as a generation are leaving behind. Um, and I, I think I think I just seem to find like-minded people who really do give a shit and really do want to help other people to help themselves so that we can create a really positive future uh for uh, not just this country but but for the world so I, ho- I hope that kind of answers your questions wow so how did am i'm fascinated because I've, I've read a little bit about you and, and i've always read your book which which will come on to as well but how did you transition from a primary school teacher into doing stand-up and now speaking in front of audiences all over the world and and sharing some 
some simple uplifting messages how, how, how do you go from classroom to to that stage that you're on now well i think i think they're the same thing and and it's I, 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 not exactly the same thing but I, as i mentioned you know if you're standing in front of a group of 30 children for seven or eight hours you you have to learn your craft you have to be able to hold their attention you have to inspire you have to you have to lift them and energize them and teach them great stuff that that they remember for the rest of their lives you know you have to have that really positive impact and i think in comedy i think it's it's the same it's it's all based in storytelling it's all it's all about i mean we've all heard um uh, the the old saying you know it's people won't remember what you say and what you do they'll remember how you make them feel and i think i think that's exactly what this is you know stand up comedy you remember how the 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 person on stage makes you feel primary school teachers you remember how they made you feel uh your boss from your previous job you remember how they made you feel so there is a part of it for me is is all just the exact same thing but in terms of making that transition i think you know i i had been in the classroom for six years uh, as a primary school teacher, um, I went on a workshop um, that I didn't want to go on. Um, it was called Putting the Fun Back in the Staff Room. And I just thought, what, what a terrible day I'm going to have. This is going to be, it's going to be cheesy and patronising and dreadful. And, and it wasn't, it was, it was wonderful. It was hilarious. Um, I learned loads about myself and my colleagues and I just remember sitting there thinking, this is this is this person's job. So, um, so the transition for me wasn't actually it wasn't particularly difficult. The scariest thing for me was the first day I had to do a presentation to teenagers in a secondary school because I'd spent six years working with children who were mostly under the age of ten to then work with sixteen-year-olds. That was absolutely terrifying. But I very very quickly took to it and I very quickly realized that actually you know what whilst they're a lot older than the kids I was used to working with you know it, the thing about that is you can really push the learning you can really push boundaries you can really produce uh, sorry push the the humor within within that learning and within those boundaries um and then of course comes the day where you know big companies start getting in touch chief execs of business start getting in touch and they say things to you on the phone like you did this thing with my kids at school and I've got this team at work who need a bit of that. And you're thinking, my goodness, I've never in front of adults in my life. Um, the thought of, you know, I've given talks, you know, I've been booked by the, you know, the, the, you know, the senior marketing director of Nike and, and, and so on. And, and when these companies get in touch, I mean, for me, that's absolutely terrifying. I think I'm just a primary school teacher. Why would they want me to come and speak? But I think what the greatest teachers can share and can achieve and can give um it doesn't matter if it's primary school kids a stand-up comedy audience or chief execs from global organizations we're all human beings we've all got hearts we've all got minds we've all got feelings we've all got imaginations and if you can stand up there share your passion that transition becomes an awful lot easier and you you are very passionate about what you do it from what you've seen and and certainly what you've experienced how important is it to be doing something that you love and enjoy um oh i, th I think oh, i think it's the utmost import of of the utmost importance to do something you love and enjoy i think um there are many people too many people um, in, in the world who who lose their Sunday to their Monday, um, if that makes sense. Um, you know, they, they, they dread the Monday and it ruins their Sunday. They, they wake up on a Monday morning with that knot in their stomach, that dread. And I understand that there are many people out there who feel they have to do the job they're doing because they need to earn money, and I, I understand that. But there's nothing stopping people from learning new things there's nothing to stop people from looking at what else is out there and, and applying for these things and retraining and reading and absorbing and and sharing and asking lots of questions of of other people so i think 
I, you mentioned there that I'm really passionate about what I do, and I know that you are as well about what you do. And I, I honestly wake up every day excited to go and do what I do because I've worked incredibly hard to find the thing that makes me tick. And I, the thought of going back to the days of doing something that, okay, I, I quite liked, but it, I knew it wasn't the right thing for me when I was in the classroom. As much as I loved being in the classroom, there was a huge amount of paperwork and admin and politics and the part of teaching that isn't enjoyable. You know, you go into teaching to teach, not and hours and hours every evening on your weekend filling in forms and writing up stuff. So um, so I've been there and I know what that feels like. I think, you know, in, in the book we, we talk about um, what the Japanese refer to as your ikigai um, or your ichigai, as some people refer to it. And, and, it, and it's all about finding that thing that gives you your reason for being your reason for getting out of bed in the morning, but at the same time, it's something that the world needs, it's something that you're passionate about, and it's something that you can earn money from doing. And I really believe that that thing is out there for everybody. It's just there are some people out there who are prepared to go find it and not settle. Um, and I'm one of these people who just can't settle. I don't want to settle. I want to keep looking, keep asking, keep learning, keep searching. Um, and I find a great deal of I find a great deal of happiness um, with, with, and, and actually peace of mind with within that. I think when I stop and settle, um, I think that's when my anxieties and worries that we all have start to start to kick in. So yeah. Yeah, I think you've hit on something really good there around um, not settling. Um, and, and I know I, I, I see it and I hear it from, from people when, you know, when I look to encourage them and, and, and enable them to, you know, to, to go after what it is they want to do. There's, there's sometimes resistance or, or, or hesitance, but it's it's this thing that I keep coming back to that you've said there that, that don't settle. You know, if there's something that you want to do, then 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 go and find a way. Speak to people. Don't settle. Yeah. And I think that's really important. One of the things that I'm always interested in, especially when I speak to to people like yourselves who are almost living their dream or doing what they love and enjoy, is finding out about what are some of your strengths or, or traits or behaviours that have allowed you to, to get to this point where, where you've achieved a certain degree of success in your life, although you won't settle on that and you'll keep going. What, what are some of those behaviours or traits that, that you have that have served you well? I think, I think it's a, I think I'm extremely down to earth. I think, do you know, I think a lot of this comes from the fact that I spent my childhood worrying about stuff. Um, I, for somebody who travels and works as a motivational speaker, I spent many, many years worrying and feeling anxious about life. And I think, I think I got fed up with that. I think, um, I think I got fed up worrying about everything and, you know, making myself feel down and, and ill with, with worry and anxiety and things like that. And I think, I think I hit probably about 16, 17 years of age and just, you know, having feared everything, just thought I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of, I get one shot at this. Um, so I want to get out of my bed every day and I want to go make great things happen. Um, I realize that's probably not answering your question. My, my strengths, I think I am, uh, incredibly respectful. I think I am brave albeit I'm a warrior, I think I'm brave, I, I put myself into, you know, I have a huge fear of public speaking, but that's my job. And I think, you know, I, 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 I chose to move into the world of comedy at only 17 years of age. That's when I first tried my hand at, uh, at stand-up. Um, and yet I have a massive fear of getting up in front of an audience and a massive fear of rejection. And, um, you know, I heard a great phrase recently um, somebody used to describe themselves. Um, I have no idea who it was, but they, they referred to themselves as um, confidently lost. And I thought, <laughs> what a fantastic expression. You know, this idea that none of us actually really, truly know what we're doing. You know, we're, 
we're kind of winging it and we're kind of going for it. And I, and I absolutely hold my hands up. I am not an expert in anything. Um, I am confidently lost. And it's it's the most wonderful way to describe it. And um, I think I am just a real down-to-earth, nice, kind, humble person who gives a shit about his family, uh, who wants to make the most out of every single moment he possibly can. But I am by by no means by no means am I perfect. Um I I care deeply about other people. So I there are currently twenty people that work within my organization, uh, Tree of Knowledge. And my number one priority is that every single one of those twenty people feel really, really happy um in, in their job. Um and I think I think that's one of the key things for me that that gets me going has got to me where I am got me to where I am in my career which I don't think is very far down the line if I'm being honest um I just I just really want everybody that I come into contact with to feel great and be happy and healthy and have fun and see the world for what it really is because there's a lot of nonsense in this world um but actually there's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of kindness and there's a lot of wonderful people out there if we allow ourselves to open our eyes and see it yeah it's it's wonderful listening to you share some of your own vulnerabilities really um if you like when you talk about your your fear of of public speaking and in your earlier part of your life you know this fact that you were a worrier and, and probably still are a worrier and, and have absolutely anxiety. um because we're, we're getting better obviously but 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 those those open moments of, of sharing, I think, allow people to 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 connect uh, with us. Um, and and you know, for for me as well, I, I've I had this challenge around confidence in in the early part of my career, and then listened to some 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 great kind of mentors and and teachers and encouragers that reframed it in my mind really um, on on how to project confidence, whether you, whether you've got it or not. Yeah, I I love that phrase uh, confidently lost because it's hugely yeah. empowering um it, it says to me that you're you're comfortable with with where you are and, and who you are albeit we're not quite sure where we're supposed to be or, or necessarily what we're supposed to do so that yeah kind of ties or, in or where, yeah or where we're going and what's next mm-hmm. and because you can make all the plans in the world you can have all the you can have all your goals broken down into your little bite-sized chunks, which is useful and helpful and works for many of us. But we don't actually know where we're, we don't truly truly know where where we're going and where we're going to end up. We have a, an idea and a picture of what we would like it to be like, but how many of us can actually say, "Yep, yeah, we got there and this is exactly how it looked"? Well, there's, I don't know if there's any of us. Um, so uh, yeah, confidently lost. I'm racking my brains as to who actually said that, and I I think I, I think I read it on somebody's LinkedIn comment about six months ago, and I think they were saying I have also heard this from someone else. So, for the sake of this, I'm claiming it. <laughs> That's fine. I'll put it I'll against take it you. As my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, if I ever if I ever get into music, which my wife's a, a fantastic musician and there's no I've been told categorically that I'm not musical. However, <laughs> I love my music. If I ever somehow miraculously get into music and write an album, that's the name of my first album, Confidently Lost. It's a great album title. Watch this space, you heard it here first. There yes. Go. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean who, who but yeah, it's a good been, one. Absolutely. Who have been some of the, the great teachers or encouragers in your life? Ah, oh, so do you know? Without sounding too soppy, the most incredible person, one of the most incredible people in my life, is is my wife Ali. Um, I've I've never ever met anyone like this. Um, you know, I we met twenty years ago. Um, she's a deputy head teacher of a high school here in Edinburgh. Her subject is uh, before she went into sort of senior leadership was was music. Um, an extraordinary musician who can play everything. Uh, and by everything, I mean every instrument and every piece of music going. One of these annoying people who can hear something once or twice and sit down and play it at the piano. And it's so she's so impressive and so, so hardworking and so confident in her own abilities and yet so loving and, and kind. So 
you know, I'm every day. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many men would would put this out there on record, but every day I'm hugely inspired by by what she does. Um, her her passion. Again, to reiterate, when it comes to business, I I didn't ever. I had no. I I never had a dream to run my own business and to go into business. So I didn't have you know, business heroes and business teachers. And I didn't study business at school. I didn't study accounts at school. I didn't, like, I, 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 my goal is to teach. My goal is to inspire. My goal is to make a difference. So, yeah, I think um, family, my heroes, do you know, people from the world of music as well. I'm a massive, massive fan of music. Um, and I read a lot about rock stars and um their story and their journey and I am hugely influenced and fascinated by people like David Bowie um, people like Mick Jagger um, you know the guys that are in The Who um, I'm fascinated by Kiss who are not everybody's cup of tea <laughs> uh, but I, I I am obsessed with these bands I, I remember being 14, 15 I think it was my 14th birthday actually and I bought an album called Dookie by Green Day. And yes. I remember putting my headphones on, sitting on the bus. I had spent my £10 hour price voucher. I don't know if you remember hour price. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually I made a wee YouTube video all about this a, a couple of years ago. And I, I put that cassette into that Sony cassette Walkman that was cool on that day that I got for my birthday. And I just remember hitting play. And that album's about... I think that album's like 47 minutes long or something. And that bus journey is about 50 minutes that day from Ayr to Troon, where I grew up. And um, I hit play on that cassette. And that album, genuinely, that album changed my life in that moment. In 47 or 48 or 49 minutes, whatever that album is, it changed my entire life. And I believe that everyone has that album or everybody has a book or a film or a show that gave them that moment in their life. And I think that that's what I'm trying to do in my career is create those moments for others in their life. That, you know, within that moment, when you have those moments, you believe you you feel happier and more energised and more inspired than you've ever felt. And you feel, you know, that feeling of you can go and take on the world and give it your all. That's what Dookie did for me. And what I've discovered since is there are dozens and dozens of albums out there that have done that for me. So I, yeah, I even take a lot of inspiration from from bands and from songs and and things like that. I love it, and and I've watched that video as well. So the, oh, okay. The the story is is familiar. I do remember our price. Um, I remember the Walkman. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that you know will be thinking, what what is a cassette? Yes. Um, you know, it was a wonderful uh, part in the 80s uh, and 90s before CDs really took off, which, you know, you you, you enjoyed the music. Uh, and, and if you wanted to listen to a song again, you had to rewind it, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. which was a special moment. Um, yeah. I love it. I, I love that music is, is, is a feature um, in, in terms of your, your inspiration and, yeah. and wanting to you know, create those moments for other people or for other people to have that realisation. Yeah. Um, that leads us nicely into uh, talking about uh, the book that you've co-authored with Andy Cope called Shine, Rediscovering Your Energy, Happiness and Purpose. T- tell us a little bit about that book for, for those people that, you know, haven't yet uh, purchased it, uh, but are f- obviously are going to purchase it as a result. Absolutely. <laughs> Shine is um, so. I I genuinely believe we've we've written. For me, we've written the perfect book, and well, not perfect, but almost perfect. And what I mean by that is, um, it's it's so uplifting, it's so real, it's so heartfelt, it's so simple to read. You know, it's not it's not full of jargon. It's not full of I was going to say it's not full of science. It actually is full of science. We've just written it in a way that everybody can understand. And I would hope that at no point in reading that book would anybody feel lost or feel that they, they, 
they don't understand what we're saying. Um, do you know, it's been a fascinating process from start to finish. Um, we wrote it um, last year. Um, it only came out um, this year, but we wrote it last year in the summer. And I actually wrote all, all of my sort of main parts of the book when I was on holiday. I sat on a sun lounger at six o'clock every morning for two hours in, in Mallorca and 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 for the first time ever, wrote, wrote a book. Um, and I found it hugely rewarding um, and energizing and calming in many ways. Um, I almost found it too easy. And again, I don't mean that in an arrogant way. It just, it just all happened. Maybe sitting in the sun did that. And we, we worked together. Andy's very, very good at weaving it all together. Um, that's definitely where... You know, he, he comes into his own in this world. Um, he, I mean, the stuff naturally kind of complemented each other, but he has this really wonderful way of, of, of pulling it all together, making it weave magically. Um, but no, it's a, it's a book that comes straight from the heart. Um, there's some very personal stuff in there for me. I've really kind of put myself out there. I talk about losing my dad, albeit briefly, in the book. Um, talk about my kids. Um, and, you know, it's absolutely... Absolutely mind-blowing the response that we've had. You know, we've had people literally all over the world, countries like Vietnam, countries like Romania, Canada, with someone in Hawaii, you know, getting in touch to tell us that this book has truly changed their life, made a difference, helped them through a tough time in their life, helped them to to rethink their future. And I had said at the start, you know, Andy's a very experienced author. He's, he's a world-class author. And, you know, this was my first book. And I had said to him at the start, you know, if one person gets in touch and says, do you know what, it made me smile, then it will blow my mind. Um, you know, but to, for the book to have gone to number one on Amazon, albeit briefly, I'm still taking it, um, you know, into top charts and W. Smiths and places like that, just... I, I just don't understand it. I, I, I'm, I really, it blows my mind and I'm hugely honoured that people have bought the book or downloaded it on their Kindle and and are enjoying it and that it's truly making a difference. So yeah, blown away by the whole thing. Do, do you do you pinch yourself when, when people get in touch with you and, and reach out? Because, you know, when, when you're coming from that starting point of, you know, if this makes a difference to one person, then, then we'll be happy. And then to get the type of feedback that you've been getting, you know, either through Amazon or through social media. I've, I've seen loads of pictures posted, um, people on holiday recently yeah. with, with this book. Did, what are you thinking? What are you feeling when, when you when you see and, and hear what, what they're saying about, you know, what you've shared within that book and, and, and the impact it's having on them? Um, there's a mixture of emotions. Um, there's the moment where I kind of almost have a little giggle to myself because it because there's part of me thinking this is this is madness um i'm i'm a i'm just a primary school teacher from the west coast of scotland um i think i feel really proud um i but it's a mixture of emotions so i feel a huge sense of pride i find it a real I feel really grateful to have had the opportunity to to write it, and I, I I really need to you know I thanked Andy a lot for you know agreeing to write this book with me, and and I know that you know his presence and his reputation is one of the things that really helped us to get it out there. Um, but you know, like everybody else, there's moments where I question it, and you know the imposter syndrome starts to creep in, and you think, oh God, I'm going to get found out soon, uh, and and then. And then I feel a huge amount of um, happiness for these people who are telling me that they feel happier. That I, yeah, I find that really heartwarming. Um, um, I found myself sitting on trains, getting tweets from people or or emails from people, and you know, just the most beautifully open and honest feedback, sharing sharing things that are happening in their life that you know I would never share to anybody else because they're so personal to these people and they have read my book and thought you're the person I'm going to tell and I it blows my mind and I love it and I'm very very thankful to every single person out there um, who has uh, even thought about 
getting that book, let alone actually then picking it up and paying money for it. So yeah, blown away. It's lovely listening to you because there is that huge sense of humility uh, and humbleness that, that comes from you. Um, and, and interesting that you, you still see yourself as that primary school teacher on the west coast of Scotland. Yeah. Um, where, whereas clearly, you know, even just in the short time that we've been speaking and what you've shared, you've clearly done an awful lot since, since leaving uh, the environment of, of primary school teaching. Is is there is there another book in the future? Is, is that something that's that's on the table at the moment that you're, yeah. you're thinking about doing? Yeah. Well, actually, it's done. Um, so oh. we have a book coming out round about October. Um, it's actually aimed at young children. Um, it is called The Diary of a Brilliant Kid: Top Secret Guide to Awesomeness. <laughs> Um, which I love, uh, and it is available to pre-order right now on Amazon. So it's done. It's myself and Andy again. Uh, this time we've also teamed up with Will, Will Hussey, who is a wonderful writer and teacher uh, who I met through Andy, Andy Cope. Um, so it's the three of us this time, um, and Amy Bradley, who did the illustrations for Shine, she's brought this one to life and it is aimed at that kind of, well, the, the publishers will tell you it's aimed at that kind of 7 to 11 range. It's not. It's aimed at everyone from 4 to 104. Um, <laughs> it's positive psychology for young kids, and it's really fun. It's silly. It's rude. It's nonsense. But my goodness, is it packed with serious messages? But it's just done in a way that will make you laugh out loud um at uh, this strange thing we called life so yeah so that one's done and i can tell you also um i've not actually told anyone this yet but we are just about to sign the contract for uh, another book again um no it's not a at this stage it's not really it's not really shine too it's not really a natural follow-up to shine but it, it will be in a similar um, aiming at a similar market um, so we we only have a working title for that at the moment so I don't I can't I'm not able to tell you a, an official title or anything like that but um but already the stuff that we're throwing around is oh, it's brilliant and it's uh again it's making me laugh out loud but feel great so so yeah there there will be more and I'm hoping that's just uh, the sign of things to come excellent and and you you enjoy that process of writing uh, yeah, I do. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I I started writing comedy sketches when I was about 13. Um, you know, I, I love to write. I love to create um, a, a narrative. I love to create characters. Um, I, I think, uh, I actually think I would, I would love to get into writing kids' books, like proper sort of picture books for like, you know, kind of like three to seven-year-olds. I think I would love to move into that eventually um and i've got i've got a few ideas already that i'm working on but that's that's further down the line i've got far far too much (laughs) on my plate as it is but um no i do enjoy it um it it, you have to allow yourself the time to do it Uh, and i think there's there's moments where i sit down and nothing happens um so it's not so much planning the time to do it it's allowing the time to do it and i hope people understand the difference between those two things i think you know if i set aside an hour and say oh that's the day i'm going to write nothing's going to happen it won't it won't but if i find myself with time go for it start writing stuff down start typing stuff and it'll it tends to happen that way i find it um yeah i find it really rewarding i find it writing um helps with my own peace of mind as well so yeah it's a, it's a really positive process for me Excellent. Um, I'm interested to get your, your thoughts on um, what advice, based on what society says we should do, would you ignore? <laughs> well, there's that old thing where society says, be like this, and then society says, no, not like that. Um, oh, I would ignore everything that society says, if I'm being honest. Um, I think the problem is too many people are society have become society um i think so what would i tell people to ignore um 
Do you know, I think things like you know we, I think it starts when we're young. I think I think we need to be encouraging very young children to ignore much of what they're being told. And I realise that might sound extremely controversial for some people, but I don't I don't actually mean it. I just think that there's far too many of us get told that we have to conform to a certain way of being and and living our, our lives, you know, and things like exams at school. I realise I'm going off on a tangent here, but let's do away with exams for children. What a piece of nonsense. Why are we doing exams? Why are kids being forced to sit exams and regurgitate information and you know we it sets you up for a way of being for later on in your life where we have to live by a certain way this world is wonderful and full of all sorts of magical things that we need to go and explore and experience for ourselves so i would encourage people to ignore people who think it's weird to be weird and I think uh, I think we all need to channel our inner weird just a little bit more. And I think, you know, as uh, yeah, I think when you when you find your fellow weirdos in life, we need to grab on with two hands and never let them go. Um, yeah, ignore people who tell you to be normal. Normal's normal's boring. Let's be abnormal and let's go rock out every day. I love it. I mean, that, that, that could almost bring the interview to a close in terms of a final message. <laughs> Let's embrace abnormal. Let's go and be abnormal because yeah. at some point it will it will start to catch on and we'll start having a lot more fun. We'll enjoy what we're doing. We'll get some real sense of satisfaction and, and, and real purpose in our lives. And we'll forget about all those things that we're expected to conform to. Um, and, and even when we get to later in life, we still can't fathom out why we've been told to do things uh, the way that we were told to be no, absolutely. at quite an early age. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to move on and just uh, ask you for your thoughts on on balance. Um, you know, on I, what, I on what a, sorry? On balance. Work-life balance. Okay. So um, yep. I shared my thoughts uh, ahead of our conversation today around work-life balance. And I'm very much coming from a what I call a perfect imbalance standpoint. Um, but I'm interested to get your thoughts. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? Um, I'm undecided. Um, I don't know if it exists. Um, I spent many, many years working to get the right work-life balance. And then I heard somebody speak one day at an event and they said, you wake up in the morning and you go to sleep at night and everything that happens in between is life. And I, could, and I couldn't disagree. Um, but then I thought, well, but it's how you live that life and it's what you do with that life. And and they're saying, yeah, but it's life. It's your life. So what's this work-life balance? And I'm going, yeah, but you must understand the argument between work-life balance. And they're going, no, I get where the argument comes from, but it's all just life. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, shit, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> um, so what, what I, I think... Yes, there needs to be a balance in life for everything. You know, in terms of what you eat, in terms of what you drink, in terms of yeah, there, there just there need there needs to be balance. Um, but work-life balance, I'm just not sure that there is such a thing, um, which is maybe not the answer that people want. Um, yeah, I'm undecided. It's good. It's good that you're undecided because I think when people are undecided it, it means we're open to other ideas or, or, or other suggestions and I think in my own mind I think back to you know working in some environments where you were actively encouraged to leave your life at the door yeah. uh, as you swiped into the organization and yeah you know similar to you when when somebody had provoked that thought it was like well hang on a minute, I'm, I'm struggling to get my head around this. What, what do you mean, leave my life at the door? Yeah. Um, I think we've I think we've come a long way since since the industrial times where, you know, you, you needed to, again, conform and, and do things in a certain way because if you didn't, um, you know, there was often a health and safety implication and you need to follow the, the rule of the, of the manager or, or the leader, or shall we say, yeah, there from was, a, a health perspective. Yeah, there was the uh, old thing of you go to work to work. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I asked the question and, and I'm intrigued by what my guests share because I'm not necessarily looking for people to agree with me. In fact, I'd rather they disagreed with me and, and we have this, this further conversation or, or debate that rolls on that's, that, that questions this work-life balance because, you know, like normal and abnormal, well, we only settle for normal because that's what we've been told by so many people so many times. But actually... The more people I speak to that are abnormal, that are doing things that they love and enjoy, tells me that, wow, you're right. We should embrace our inner weirdness. We should be a little bit more abnormal. So, yep. yeah, it's good. It's good. I've, I I love hearing what people say um, about, about balance. And, and I take your point wholeheartedly when it comes to aspects of our life, like like health or diet or exercise or you know, addiction. Um, I think it's fascinating some of the stuff that's being written at the moment around the comparison of addiction to technology versus, you know, th things like heroin, which which Adam Alter talks about in his book, Irresistible. It's, it's playing with our psyche that says, hang on a minute, I didn't think I was addicted, but actually I may well be addicted to, oh, yeah. uh, to things like technology. So it's fascinating. Oh, there's, there's, and there's, it is fascinating and there's terrifying statistics as well. Um, in fact, we we touch on it in in Shine. Um, you know, there's there's uh, teenagers, uh, you know, spending on average six six hours a day looking at screens in their hands. That's ninety one days a year. Ninety one days a year. I mean, when I was a teenager, I was out on my bike, I was down the beach, I was in the woods, I was talking to people to their face. Um, but 91 days a year looking at phones, uh, I mean, can you imagine how big our thumbs are going to be in a million years? Yeah, it, it's true. It's. It, I always smile to myself. If, if I'm not running in the morning, as and I know you're a runner, um, if I'm out having a walk, it always fascinates me when I'm walking past, uh, you know, children that get ready to go on the school bus. There's there's no interaction. It's head down. Their backs are arching. Oh, their yeah. thumbs are out. And yeah, it's, yeah. It, we're going to have serious problems down the line. We are, we are. Yeah. You know, a hundred years from now. In fact, I spoke to a guy recently who is wonderful at getting young people into his business, and he had a young man of about sixteen years of age on on a work placement, a work experience um, earlier this year, and that young boy didn't know how to make a phone call because he's never had to. Because, because we don't make phone calls anymore. We kids WhatsApp each other or Snapchat each other or Instagram each other or Facebook each other. You, you don't make phone calls. You don't pick up a landline and dial a number. And uh, the kid didn't know how to do it. And I and I don't blame him for that. No. He just doesn't. He doesn't. He hasn't had to do it. And I've never thought about that before. Um, there's a story we tell in Shine about a talk that I was given to a group of school kids. And I happened to say something along the lines of, um, I'm old enough to remember what it was like to have no mobile phone at all. And these kids were about 13 and they thought that was hilarious. And I said to them, I'm saying, why are you laughing? And this girl said to me, how did you speak to your friends? And, I, and I, I'm standing there looking at her. I was like, I spoke to them like in person. Yeah, but what if they lived down the street? <laughs> It's like, well, you walked out your front door, and she was like, "What if, what if they lived in the next village?" And I was like, "Well, you got on your bike and you cycled, and this just went on and on and on." And they just thought I was dead. I mean, I'm I'm in my thirties, and they thought I was really old because I didn't have a mobile phone. So, no, I, I hear you. We're, there's big issues ahead, um, and I love. Um, is it Simon Sinek talks about when he goes out for a meal? You know, when him and his wife go out for a meal with their friends, only one person's allowed to bring their mobile phone. And that's because, well, firstly, just so they can either phone a taxi or if there's an emergency, there is one phone. But why would you need a phone when you're out with your friends? Your friends are with you. You're, they're, they're all there with you in that moment. So why are people taking their phones? And ever since I heard that, I thought, bang on, absolutely 100%. You're going out for a meal with your friends why do you have your phones with you? It's true. It's absolutely true. Okay, I have what I call some 60-second quick-fire questions. Um, <laughs> Is that code for Gavin, you're talking too long? 
No, it's you know what, pretty much all my guests have been the same, and, and <laughs> you know, maybe it's how I go about choosing them or the people that I choose that then suggest future guests, but it, it's all good for me. Um, and oh, right, let's start with <laughs> let's start with the first question: social media platform of choice. If you could only use choose one, um, if I had to choose one, Instagram. Okay. And, and I noticed you've recently done something around um, black and white photography. Is that right? Um, yes, I got I got set a challenge to post seven photos, one a day. Um, the, the the photo was not allowed to contain any human beings, no explanations, nothing. Just seven black and white photos, one day after the other, that represent my life in some way. Um, I love it. And every day you have to challenge someone else to do the same thing. And it's, uh, I've seen some amazing stuff and because there's no explanation, you, it, it does raise all sorts of questions. You think, God, what is that person doing? And yeah, no, it's fab. Really nice. I love it. Someone that you admire and admit to following on social media. Sorry, ask that again. Someone, someone that you admire and admit to following on social media. And I admit to following, or oh, that means it has to be somebody either controversial or, <laughs> or unexpected, someone I admire and admit to following on social media. Um, yeah, I, I used to ask my guests, um, a celebrity, politician or, or thought provoker, but I've I've adapted it slightly, uh, which has probably created a bit more mystery. Yeah, um, someone I admire or admit to, um, Gary Barlow. <laughs> Gary Barlow. Well, I... that fits with what you've said about music. So, do you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love Take That. And it's so not in keeping with my style. I mean, I'm classic rock through and through with a bit of punk in there. Um, I mean, the bands I've mentioned already, The Who, The Rolling Stones, you know, Kiss, ACDC, Green Day, Bowie, Pink Floyd, and Take That. <laughs> take That. I went to see them uh, on my own because my wife wouldn't come with me. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like, I'm not an avid fan of following him on Twitter, but I, I, I admit to following him on Twitter. I love it. I'm with you. I, I am a Take That fan as well. Brilliant. So Great tunes. There's, Great there's songwriter. Yep. Perf- yeah, brilliant songwriter. Brilliant. Yep. Three guests to have to dinner, past or present? David Bowie. Yeah. Um, my dad. Yeah. Um, and David Bowie, my dad, and Christopher Reeve. Ah, okay. Interesting I'll, final choice. Yeah. Um, Christopher Reeve, um, I think growing up, uh, watching the those original three Superman yeah. movies... We'll pretend there wasn't a fourth. Um, yeah, he he for me, and those films. Superman two is the best Superman film of all time, and it's not often that two is better than one in any um, no. series of movies. Um, I thought Christopher Reeve was the perfect perfect Superman, and all these new Superman movies with well, the most recent is Henry Cavill. I can't remember the other guy's name, Brandon Ruth, or it was called. Absolute nonsense. Uh, I mean, Henry Cavill's not a bad Superman, but nah. And I realise they're following the comic books more, but Christopher Reeve for me, and when he had that injury, I was I was devastated. There is also a connection there with my dad. Um, so my I lost my dad to cancer um, a few years back, and when my brother and I were very, very small boys, my dad convinced us that he was actually the real Superman. And that Christopher Reeve came to him for advice, <laughs> um, and we believed him. We genuinely believed when we were. I mean, we're very young, obviously, um, and uh, you know, like twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we absolutely, utterly believed him. So there is, there is a thing about Superman for me. And my dad, um, my dad was awesome. And uh, so yeah, but I would like Bowie to be there as well because he would just mix things up in a way that 
I think Christopher Reeve and my old man would have a ball with. Sounds like a good dinner party. Yeah, man. I'll come and serve the uh, alcoholic beverages. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> what are you currently reading? Um, what am I currently reading? Um, I, I've actually just picked up... Um, oh, my God, I've forgotten what it's called. It's, uh, it's Danny Wallace's new book about rude people. Uh-huh. I can't remember the exact title. Oh, man, that's terrible. Um, yeah, it's Danny Wallace's latest book. Um I've not actually started reading it yet, um, but that's the one I've that's the one I've just just got my my hands on, and it's basically he's basically spent the last couple of years working out why people are so rude um, and what we can do about it. See, so, yeah, I'm I, I don't I'm not a big fan of rude people, um, and I'm intrigued to hear what his what his thoughts and musings are. Mm-hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Are you a podcast listener? Um, no. Um, I, I do listen to them, but I'm going to say no because I don't do it enough. And I need, <laughs> and I need to sort that. Um, there are, I do occasionally listen to podcasts, um, but I, I could not, I can't allow myself to call myself a podcast listener because it would be disrespectful. But I, <laughs> but I, but I want to be. So that's I, something for me. I love it. I love it, and I love the honesty. Um, <laughs> a guilty pleasure, should you view it as guilty, which you do when you have some time to yourself. Um, a guilty pleasure, which I do when I have time to myself. Man, um, I don't know if you can hear that bleeping in the background. I do apologise, that was the dishwasher. <laughs> um <laughs> It must be your turn to empty the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh, do you know that's a really tough one. Uh, I, I, I love cooking, but it's not—it's not really a guilty pleasure. Um, no. Listening to take I, take that. <laughs> well, that was what running through my mind. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably it. I think it was my very first guest, Mike Pegg, that said, well, it's only guilty if you choose to view it as guilty. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I really... I'm so open-minded to everything in this world that I don't, I don't really... I think that's the problem. Oh, can I add another guest to my dinner party? Is yes, that, why not? Uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, yes, you mentioned him in the book. I love him. Uh, he's... Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm having an extra guest. He can serve stuff as well. <laughs> He can sing between courses. Oh my goodness, can he sing? Yeah, with David Bowie. What? It's oh, going yeah. to be a good dinner party. You yeah. probably had a couple more in before we finished. <laughs> um, one thing you wish you'd invented? Um, the dishwasher. It's <laughs> one of the greatest inventions of all time. I think. Um, I think dishwasher and cheeseburgers are two of the greatest inventions of all time. Sounds extremely random and out there, but I wish I'd invented them. What else do I wish I'd invented? Um, oh, do you know what I'm trying to think? There was something recently I remember thinking, my goodness, whoever came up with that was was a genius. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with dishwasher. I think it's I think it's saved my life. I hate washing di- <laughs> I hate washing dishes. So yeah, yeah the dishwasher. Waste the time that is. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. I'm with you again. Um, something that means something to you. I take it this is not people. Uh, yeah. uh, so if it's not, if I can't have people, something that means something to me. Um, um, I have. Uh, I have. You know, you've just made me think of something really bizarre that I've not thought of for a while. When I was a kid, when I was about. 15 or 16 I had two best mates in the whole world at that age um, a guy called Rory Brown and a guy called Graham Townsend and we went out one night to a party that we shouldn't have gone to and I remember there was a bit of, tr- <laughs> there was a bit of trouble at this party and I remember somebody phoned the police um, and everyone everyone scarpered and I, I went home uh, and I, I remember telling my mum all about it and she was asking the questions that parents asked. Were you drinking? No. And I wasn't. Were you smoking? No. Never been a smoker and all that sort of stuff. And um, 
But what the other two guys did was they stayed out all night and one told his mum that he stayed at the other one's house and the other told his mum that he stayed at the other one's house. And of course, they got caught. So they got they got grounded. And I didn't because I told the truth. And I said to them, because you're so stupid for not telling the truth and for getting caught, your punishment is that you both have to write a book uh, in the in the two weeks that you're you're grounded, it was in the summer holidays. I said you have to, but you've both got to write an amazing story that's hilarious. And do you know what they did? And I and I don't know if they'll ever remember this, but I have those two books in the attic, and they are hilarious. Um, yeah, that's 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 my answer. The two books that my mates wrote because they got caught pulling an all nighter. <laughs> wow. Watch this space. They they could be recreated or uh, published at some point in the I'm, future. I'm sure nobody would buy them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that was the first. I don't know why, but that's the first thing that popped in my head there. I love it. I love it, Gavin. A few questions to finish off. Who who first of all, who would you like to see um, as a future guest on the podcast? Um, so I have thought about this. Um, th- there's a few names. Uh, sprung into my mind um, and I think um, oh man I had made my mind up before coming on this this phone call uh, this interview and I'm changing my mind as I as I uh, as I sit here talking to you um, I I am going to say I would love you to invite on as a guest to your podcast as I stretch this answer out, as I try and make my mind up finally, um, I would go with... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, This is worse than Eurovision, waiting for the votes to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm going to say, actually, it's it's the exact same name as me. Well, first name, it's a a guy called Gavin Bell. Um, Gavin Bell is a young, early 20s entrepreneur who is just doing some really cool stuff. He's a YouTuber. Um, he, he's, um, he helps people with their Facebook ads. He's just one of these young, talented, uh, outward-looking individuals who who is doing some great work out there and making a real difference for a lot of people in their businesses. I think he's very talented. I think he's very entertaining. Um, so, yeah, Gavin Bell. He's a he's a great guy and um, he comes from Shetland, you know. He's he's grown up yeah. in a, a really interesting community uh, where there's not an awful lot going on, and not an awful lot of people leave. And he's out there. He went to the Peter Jones Academy, um, yeah. and he's he's got big big things as a young entrepreneur. He's got big big things ahead of him. So yeah, he, he's a really exciting guy. So yeah, Gavin Bell. Excellent. You know him well. I'm taking. Yeah, I know. I've got to know him particularly uh, over the, the more sort of recent months. Um, I didn't know him particularly well, if I'm being honest. But uh, yes, we um, we've got to know each other uh, a lot better, and um, I I've um, taken part in a couple of his uh, YouTube videos of late, um, and I, I just I think he's uh, for the age he's at. Yeah, I just think he's got this wonderful future ahead of him, and. Yeah, I think I think he he'd be he'd be very interesting. Brilliant, and and would you be happy to uh, connect us? Of course, absolutely, hundred percent. Top man, top man. Interesting um, because actually I did put something out a couple of weeks ago uh, on social media, um, looking for a YouTuber uh, or an entrepreneur that's that's in that kind of technological space. Well, um, there you go. So the world has answered. Brilliant, and and Fantastic. and and he could put you in touch with many more. I love it. I love it because I, I would like to, you know, get get the view of, you know, him and people that are doing that um, type of vocation uh, or living, shall we say? Yeah. Um, because they're obviously, you know, treading a different path to, to, to what society says we should do. And I think there'll be more and more people like him in the future. So it'd be yeah. fascinating to to understand some of his journey and, and how he's got 
to this point so far. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think, I mean, there's an awful lot of young people out there, including my son, who's only 10, who, you know, who, who say things like, I want to be a YouTuber. You know, when I was at school, I, that didn't exist. And, you know, there, but this is a thing. Um, I, I'm organizing an event at the moment that's on in September where we've got 12,000 teenagers coming um, to this big free day of inspiration. And it's going to be phenomenal. And we've got Gavin um, and actually another YouTuber, Erin, Erin Dugan, who's amazing. And they're actually teaming up uh, to create some some YouTube style videos for, for the day. And it was really important for me to to have people like Gavin and Erin involved because, you know, it's a it's a viable career option nowadays. And it's, you know, when my kids say they want to watch telly, they're watching YouTube. Yeah. That's not telly, <laughs> but it is now. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So yeah, happy to connect. Great guy. He'll uh, he'll he'll share some cool stuff with you. I love it. Thank you very much. Um, what projects are you currently working on, and how can the listeners find out more about them and and about you as well? So um, uh, the 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 main project I'm working on at the moment, um, aside of from my kind of, if I can call it my day job. Um, is an event that I've just mentioned there called Fire Up Scotland. Fire Up Scotland is going to be the biggest event of inspiration to be held in Scotland for at least 50 years. Um, I booked a venue called The Hydro in Glasgow. It holds 12,000 people. Um, And if you imagine it as a kind of TEDx meets the Edinburgh Fringe Festival type event. Um, So great speakers, artists, performers, you know, we live in a time now where there is truly no wrong path. Um, you know, when I was at school, you know, you were told you kind of had to go to uni if you want to get a successful career. Um, but now, you know, as I've just mentioned, there, there's things like YouTube. I mean, you can just go and invent a job for yourself and make it successful. Um, and we have people come in to speak and perform from all over Scotland, um, ranging from people who have one big brother to bands who have been on BBC introducing to social entrepreneurs, people who work in education. Uh, we've got uh, the world's number one uh, mentalist uh, coming to perform and share his story. He's uh, a fantastic performer called Colin Cloud, who has just won the biggest award in, in, uh, in magic uh, well, well, specifically within mentalism, I might add, which is mind reading. Um, he was on Royal Variety, and uh, yeah, he's just he's he's part of the biggest magic show in the world at the moment, touring the states, and he's coming to share his story. But he's also going to perform and blow our minds. So, a fantastic experience, you know, for the kids that are going to be in that venue on that day. It doesn't matter what their background, what what their upbringing. Um, there will be someone or something for them uh, that will blow their mind. Um, and I would hope that it's the event that in 30 years from now, they look back and they know that that was the day that uh, that changed their life. So so that's that's the big project for me. You can go to fireupscotland.com. Um, the best way to keep tabs on that and with me and what I'm doing is on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So if you just look for uh, Gavin Oates, uh, in fact it's Gav Oates on Instagram, but Gavin Oates O A W T E S on Twitter and Facebook, uh, you can keep up to date with everything. Fantastic! I will make sure that all those links uh, are included in the show notes. Brilliant! Thank you. Um, you're welcome. One final takeaway for the listeners. Yeah. Can be absolutely anything. Um, one final takeaway um, in uh, in the immortal words of the New Zealand All Blacks: um, "No dickheads allowed." Uh, I think uh, I think it's the greatest rule of all time, uh, and uh, I remember reading that some of the greatest greatest players of all time were never allowed to pull that shirt on for one very simple reason. And that was that they were a dickhead. There's no, there's no room for them uh, in in my life and in my business. And uh, yeah, don't be a dick. I love it. 
I love it. Gavin, thank you very, very much indeed for taking the time out and sharing some insight, some, some stories, uh, certainly provoking some thought, uh, talking very passionately um, about you know the fact that you do care deeply for other people and are clearly wanting to you know make a difference in people's lives so thank you very much indeed it's been an absolute pleasure uh jeff thank you so much and and all all the best to you and um yeah just a, a real honor to have been asked to do this and a big thank you to uh kirsty who uh who put my name forward when you spoke to her as well so uh yeah all the best absolutely brilliant from gavin oates there Check out fireupscotland.com for more details. Uh, It's happening from Wednesday the 12th of September. Think TEDx meets the fringe and you're halfway there. That's what it says on the website. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Gavin. Um, If you've enjoyed that, check out Gavin's website as well. You can also find details in the show notes of where to follow him on Twitter and also Instagram, so please do get involved. Um, If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe to the Perfect Imbalance podcast, either through iTunes, Spotify, or directly through the Ignite Performance website. It would be great to uh, share it with a friend as well, and please do leave us a rating and a comment. It will help the podcast reach more and more people and allow others to consider alternatives to striving for a work-life balance. Tune in next time to hear me interviewing Emma Lanigan from Be Life Happy. Mm, I think you're going to enjoy that one. Until then, thank you as always for listening to Perfect Imbalance. Remember this, when you have a balance, enjoy it. When you've got an imbalance, embrace it. For in those moments, you're striving towards achieving your next success, increasing your happiness, or looking for greater fulfillment. Bye for now.